Welcome to the Christine Means Business Podcast. My name is Christine Hansen and I'm a business consultant helping entrepreneurs to scale their business without working more through wonderful team management, leadership and strategy. Together with fellow experts or my own, this podcast is designed to share the most actionable tips, pieces of wisdom and anecdotes that will help you to avoid any mistakes that will cost you time or money to grow your business. It is my absolute joy to share that knowledge with you to help you for your ultimate success. You will get a new episode every two weeks and there's loads of free materials on my website christinemeansbusiness.com. So go ahead and check that out and I'm looking forward to hear your feedback and please don't forget to give us a couple of stars if you enjoy what you've been hearing on your podcasting platforms. And without further ado, let's start the show. And welcome to this brand new episode. I'm so excited to have another wonderful guest with me. As you know, in this podcast, I try to, you know, distill my vastly useful and unuseful brain power to whatever is helpful to you guys. And um, to do that on steroids, I always have a guest with me because they have so much experience of things that I don't have. And so it's always a beautiful synergy and combination. And so today I'm very excited. We have Fabienne Lindholm with us. Her company is called Rev Up Your Life. And let me just tell you a little bit about her because she's a super, super interesting character. So she's a keynote speaker, a motivator and a wellness and beauty expert combined with deep roots in education and has lifted women entrepreneurs to the best of themselves, which is obviously something that we really, really want to talk about. She has traveled to over 58 countries, lectured on four continents, and she's an optimistic, funny, bold, and compassionate person. She has managed spa teams and operations for luxury hotels, my favorites, such mm-hmm. as the Wall of Astoria, which is still on my list. I've been there to have, I think, tea, but um, well, probably not tea as they call it in America, but I've just been there to have a little bit of you know, cheesy snacks, but I've never stayed there. And multi-location spas in Chicago, the USA. In the last 10 years, she's been in the learning and development industry, and she's been training adults, primarily women, for global cosmetic brands. So today, we are in particular going to talk about self-confidence and self-development while running a business, which I love because you know that I'm a huge believer in super simple business strategies, but also that you have to do the inner work to keep up with your success and to create your success. Because most entrepreneurs do not make or find time to recharge. So what are some of the steps that you can create for the best working environment when you have to do it all and avoid what she calls subconscious diversion? So I cannot wait to dive into all of that. Fabian, welcome so much to the show. I'm very, very excited to have you. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for having me. I'm actually honored to be here. And I am so excited too. I and love, you know, speaking about self-confidence because I think when we speak about it, it just gives us more self-confidence together. So and the more we speak about it together, I find that there's this unity that gets formed between women and we cannot recharge with each other. So thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to recharge my self-confidence. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Well, here's the deal, though, right? Because I think we all enjoy, you know, the motivational quotes on Pinterest about women, hear me roar, I'm a strong woman, superwoman, power mom, you know, we have, you're the best mom mug, all of these things. And we all know what self-confidence means, but I also think there are so many things connected to it. So some questions that I will have for you, and I'm going to throw them out there. We're going to go through them one by one because I'm absolutely certain I'm going to have forgotten them in two seconds because I'm not super structured. <laughs> but some things from the, over the top of my head that I immediately think about is when I think about self-confidence in women, number one is are women aware whether they are self-confident or not? Do they care? Why does it matter? And number two, and that's a little bit more of a one that I love, self-confidence and jealousy. How do they go hand in hand? Because I think they do. And I think it's also probably the reason why some people are scared to come across or to boost their self-confidence because they don't want to suddenly, you know, trigger other people. So there's so much that I want to talk about, but I think we can already cover some of it by having you tell us how this became your passion topic, because you obviously started out, you know, as managing teams, probably had a completely different career in mind and then you discovered something or noticed something that really became you know what you're doing now your passion which is self-confidence in women and self-development so tell us about your journey yeah so yeah and actually it has been um a long journey but i'm not one of those that had a dramatic experience and all of a sudden yes. my life not at all. I always say you're not going to see the whole drama in my life because yes. it's always been little steps and little step forward that where I got a little bit of an affirmation or I used to call them red flags, you know, mm -hmm. and then I would see a red flag and I would be like, hmm, I have to pay attention to this. And so it's, I'm, I'm not going to tell you a story about, you know, something that happened to me that was the really car crash or the, the illness or, you know, like the, the yeah. complete like the hero journey on steroids. I don't have one of those either. You know, it's just like <laughs> apart from I, discovered, exactly. I don't like babies, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I think you know, sometimes people think that in order for them to make changes or to move forward or to become more self-confident, that they need to get to the bottom of life in general but it's not true I always say you can be an or you can live an ordinary life and be an extraordinary person I love and that and I think that's what people need to think about is that you know you don't need to have that so for me it's been a long journey with a lot of mini stuff along the way but it's um it, because I was never really very self self-confidence when I was younger I actually was timid I always was afraid of raising my hand and and make my opinion known especially in the environment and I wasn't aware um, in school I was always the one sitting in the back and just never really talked and so it, it was never the fact like oh my god I was so self-confident right when I was 14 now it took me a while to get there but I also learned that if I wanted to get something, I really needed to start speaking up and I really needed to start raising my hand and no one was going to look for me and come and get me 
unless I started showing up and I started kind of speaking my voice. So it, it, it kind of, I learned all of this throughout my teens until I got into my 20s. And then in my 20s, I decided to move from France to the US. And I think this was kind of the revelation for me because I moved to the US not knowing anyone, um, not having any really specific plan except learning English because I didn't speak English. And I think learning a second language and being thrown into a complete different lifestyle, <laughs> not knowing anyone and not being able to actually express myself, I started realizing that I had a voice and I really needed to make it happen. So learning a language for me was the catalyst to really finding my voice and being able to show who I was, my opinion, and, and, and then kind of building my self-confidence from that point on. Can I ask you a question? Because we're both polyglots, right? So we speak multiple languages. I mean, I speak Luxembourgish, French, German, and a little bit of Spanish, you know, and and English, of course. So, but I'm a very different person depending on which language I speak. So I'm a completely split personality, I would even say. Like we're very close, but much closer than years ago. But I remember especially beginning showing up online, English was my comfort blanket. You know, it was my safety blanket. And Luxembourgish speaking in my mother tongue, it makes me feel very different. I have a lot of issues um, actually explaining what I do in mm -hmm. my mother tongue versus mm -hmm. explaining it in English, super easy. Mm -hmm. So is it the same for you? It's exactly the same <laughs> for me. Um, English is my communicative language. That's yes. how I communicate the most. I write in English. I write blog in English. It's much easier for me to write article. I'm planning of writing a book right now that I'm going to publish next year, all in English. I cannot do it in French. And I think the reason is, is because when in my mother tongue, I don't think I was told or taught or giving the opportunity to express myself deep down yes and when i got to learn english i had all of these feelings during the learning process and and between the high and the lows and the crying and the happiness and the party and all of this <laughs> i learned how to express myself and there was no one around me that could tell me to not to express myself yes. so i think that's the reason is the environment you learn the language and yeah. I a little bit of German and German for me, it's so hard because it's, I have to speak German. So it's like the pressure language and the more I get pressure, the less I can speak it. And so I can certainly not, you know, express myself in that at all. And I do believe it has something to do with the environment in which you learn the language, then you become more, maybe connected more, more like yeah, there's a feeling behind it. I agree. I mean, a new English well, we start learning it when we're 14 in our teens, but obviously I studied in the UK and university years were a blast, you know, and I think that my peak of confidence was most likely in my early 20s in the UK. Yeah. So I think that has definitely a connection. Now, not everyone has the opportunity as we had, you know, to really dive into a language 
at a developmental stage where you really discover yourself, where you shape yourself, where hopefully, you know, you become more confident and an adult. So what have you witnessed in women, especially as you were working with women, especially also successful women in in leadership positions? What were some things that you thought, huh, actually, I might take this for, for granted, but I see that it's an issue and I can help them rise, you know, level up to a different level of happiness and confidence? Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, it was because, okay, I moved to the US, I was um, an esthetician, you know, and there always that that myth around the beautician, you know, the beautician is not necessarily very educated. And so um, I found myself with a lot of people like me, and that's where it actually I started. I, I'm, I'm a beautician. This is where my background comes from. And what I noticed Um, including myself at the beginning, but then later on in years when I was doing training and working with entrepreneur, because a lot of estheticians are entrepreneurs. They have their own, you know, business and they do um, their little beauty salon or spa where the was the common issue was in the lack of feeling that they were educated and that they always had that moment, that um, moment where they felt like they, didn't have, they hadn't gone to college or university, so they couldn't really bring themselves forward to be the person they wanted to be. And that I learned and watching them and also watching myself, that we had to go beyond that obstacle or around that obstacle to really say, no, it's not because we didn't go to university or we didn't go to college that we are not educated people. We are educated. I mean, and we have something to offer. And that was the major component for me. Like, I, I can't let that happen anymore. I can't let these women think that they don't know that they do know. I know. Oh my God. Can we just let this soak in that our academics do not define? our value just as much as our bank account doesn't define our value and I feel you so badly because in my TED talk if anyone's seen it it's it's about sleep so it's not to do with business but the second sentence is literally for the longest time in my life I felt stupid because I wasn't good at maths in school which is kind of you know if you're good at maths you're smart if you're not good at maths it's very cute you know you can be great at languages but it's not you know you're a little bit thick you know (laughs) so and in general I grew up that way with academics as Mm -hmm. the measurement if you have a university degree blah 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 and if you're not then you're tolerated you're very you have you're nice you're good person but obviously not smart you know so I I totally totally get it and even like just on the sidelines for me, I'm very, very aware of it with my little one. You know, she's just mm-hmm. she's turning yeah. eight now. They start to have tests in school that obviously I'm happy when she gets a great grade. But when she had one because she didn't pay attention, which wasn't amazing, I had to be really holding myself back to not scold her in terms of, you know, defining her whole being based on that academic achievement. So I. I love this. It hits me very deeply because it's uh, very traumatic. And every time I go 
into therapy or work with a, a self-personal development coach, it's something we always work on because it always goes back to academic disappointments mm-hmm. to my parents, not myself. I didn't care. I was 16, but <laughs> you know, or yeah. like how, even though I define myself. So I love that we talk yeah. about this. Thank you. And it was definitely because I mean, in the U.S., it's even worse. You know, in the U.S., I see all of these young women that go to university. They don't even belong there. You know, but they go because because it's the society told them that they have to go. And, and it's like there should be a way for them to find another path and develop their own path and not feeling bad about it because they're not they've decided to take that path. So this is really where the kind of it hit me throughout my years of working with all of these young women and even more mature women that there was always this moment of compensating and compensating the lack of feeling whole or the feel of being able that to think that they were adding to society. And so in all my training, it was always, I always used to start with, okay, we, we are going to look at what are we adding to the society? What are we doing as beautician? What are the things we're doing to make this world a better place? And sometimes it sounds corny. Yeah, I want to make the world a better place, but I do. Totally <laughs> <laughs> valid. And I think it's that. It's looking at going beyond the fact that you're cutting hair and cutting, coloring people or beyond that you're doing nails on someone or beyond that you're doing a facial. is what are you adding and the value you're adding to society is so great. You don't need to go to college. Let's look at that. And so that's the basic foundation of really getting people outside of that mindset and thinking that they're not worthy. Yeah, absolutely. I love this. I really hope that this is sunken in for a lot of people. Let's talk a little bit about the second aspect of our program today, which is, okay, we're boosting our self-confidence. Our business is rocking it. We're crushing it. And then you mentioned a sentence. I have to repeat it. Mm -hmm. The subconscious diversion. Let's talk about it. What is it and what can you do in order to avoid it? So subconscious diversion is a word that I made up myself because I had to find some kind of a terminology (laughs) behind it because I needed, even for me, I needed to define it and to really know when it was happening. So it's really very simple when we are busy and we have a, a purpose, we decide to go and we have things that we need to do to move forward and keep the self confidence up. But we found excuses for everything. Oh, I have to do my you know, QuickBooks now, or I have to go and place the order for this, or, oh, I'm going to go get lunch, or, oh, I'll do that later because I need to add more additional elements into what I want to say. So we found all these little things that are diverting us away from what our purpose is or away from what our main message is. So we kind of not, we don't really realize that we're doing that. It it just happens because we get busy in the concept of work, of doing small things. And we prefer to do that because it's comfortable. 
And sometimes when we need to move forward in our business or move forward in our purpose, then we have to push a little bit the envelope. We have to push ourselves outside of the comfort zone. So it's a little bit harder. So our brain just brings it back to mm-hmm. what we feel comfortable. So we decide to do this and we say, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And so that's what I call that. It's a diversion and it's unconscious because we don't necessarily know we're doing it. We realize mm-hmm. it way later. Say, why did I not do that? Yeah. I, I was to do that yesterday and I don't understand why I didn't do it so it's more of a comfort place that we go into when we feel uncomfortable but we know we have to do that and so it's a battle in our head you know all the time we battle with these thoughts that keeps coming at us so that's what subconscious diversion is and we all do it and I've done it so many times it's not even funny so if we don't know that we're doing it how can we learn to detect it? So as I said, often we notice it afterward. So when we notice it, that's at that point, and I think having a notebook is writing it down and kind of defining, and we do that for about a week, defining what are, because it's usually one or two things we keep bringing back to to get away from. So we can look at the pattern and see, okay, oh yeah, this is what I've used throughout the whole week to not do what I was supposed to do. So then we can put really um, a label on it and then we can say, okay, when, when this happened, then we can say, oh, that's my subconscious diversion. No, 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 no. I have to push myself. I have to make myself uncomfortable to do what I have to do. And so this is how we kind of define it, because if you don't define it, then you don't know what the solution is, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the solution is, I always say, the solution is planning. Because if if you don't plan, you know, failing to the plan is planning to fail. That's what we say. And I found that planning is probably the best way to keep that subconscious diversion away from us keep going into that pattern all the time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. To, like, especially oh, I have my planner here. It is a mess. Like it is so empty. I honestly, this year is a disaster. And this morning I was like opening it up and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, when I'm ready, I'm going to get back into it. Like January, February, like we had the book launch and now February is just this month is literally there's things happening that I'm reacting to, which is good. So I'm in an all reactive mode, but I know that once the swoop comes, which probably comes with spring, I'm very cyclical, very, very much attuned to the seasons. um, I know that this will be full. Like this will be full of plans again and I'll be working on steroids just to knock myself out again in summer and not do anything, you know? So it's, you know, we all have our different ways of doing that and the more aware you are of it. But I agree that when you write things down and then you also notice what you didn't do week after week after week, sometimes it's also evaluating whether you should be doing them at all. Because I have sometimes when I saw, okay, I haven't been doing this for five years, five weeks. Obviously, I don't want to. Very often, I give myself permission to drop the idea, you know, Mm because I'm like, there's a reason why I haven't done this. Not always, like taxes, there's nothing I can do. I will need to if I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) 
but you know if it's like a project or if it's I'm either I outsource it and I say okay I'm gonna throw some money at it or I give myself permission to give it up you know so I think but you do need to have a trace something to become even more aware of it (laughs) painfully aware of it I might even say yeah, yeah, I think that's important. And I agree with you. I think sometimes things need to be dropped. But I think if we had planned, if we have a big picture of what we want to do, and I always, I often recommend to use what I call the OGSM, you know, formats for uh, for planning things and especially projects and objective goals, uh, strategy and measure. And uh, you yeah. can use it for big, like for your company, you're, you put some objectives, you put some goals and you put some strategy together and you put some measurement behind it, but it can also be used on a small little project. And so when this happened that you haven't done it for five weeks and you's like, you're ready to drop it, you go back to those OGSMs and maybe go back to that strategy and say, well, actually, it wasn't even my strategy. Why am I even getting myself all worked up on this? Yes. So I, there's, you know, there, it's finding these, these consistent steps that we create, these planning that we create that helps us to go back on track so we don't lose it. We don't lose all of our, you know, um, ability to be doing what we want to do. And because if if we don't plan properly, I also think that it fra- it makes our self confidence more fragile um, at the end. Because yeah. then we ask ourselves a lot of questions and we get lost in our own thoughts. I agree. I agree. This is really, really helpful. Now I have one last point that I want to talk about because I think we've learned a lot already about confidence, about how we notice when we are, you know, not stretching our comfort zone enough or if something's not aligned with us. Now, the last topic is quite a, a relevant one when you're listening to this episode, but it's always relevant, which is that you're a huge advocate as well for women, women development, I'm always very careful with this because I'm very like straightforward in that, in terms of that, I think we have to all change our thinkings in terms of male and female, whether we like it or not. I don't don't honestly think that this, that male and female and just women only doesn't even work anymore. I I just raised the question with a networking group, which is for women. And I was like, well, what do we do about, you know, people who are gender fluid or non-binary, you know? So I think we have to all revisit that concept. However, we women here in, in the Western hemisphere, most of us, you know, we are in a great place where we have the same rights, even though salaries discrepancies are still something that's yeah. very, very current. But in general, we are allowed to do the same things as men do. But that is not the case in the whole world. So I do think, yes, there is still a lot to do where gender is still male and female and female is just automatically down, you know, downgraded. So what is it exactly that you're doing in order to bring awareness to this? Or, you know, you have a certain project. So I want you to very quickly talk to us about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I totally agree with you. I mean, everything that you said is so on par of what's happening now. And I think, you know, we need to be able to just to also build everyone. It's not just only women. We also need to build everyone. So I think it's start with young women. And in terms of the project I'm working on right now is to really work and 
um, fundraise to bring young women from other places in the world to be able to have access to some kind of education, high, high secondary education, of course, but you know, at the end, there's so many women that don't even have access to education. Yes. So one of the projects I'm working um, on is um, going to be throughout the whole month of March is working and fundraising for scholarship for young girls um, coming from Africa and Middle East, uh, where they have the capability to come to Maastricht, the um, United World College in Maastricht, to be able to finalize their study. So that's, you know, you have to start there. I think you have to start in young girls and being able to lift them up and give them that foundation of being able to have the same the same possibility and opportunities that we have here and until until that happens we're still going to be really far on on many many different places because we live in a global world and we have to lift up everyone before we can move forward and um I mean, I have boys at home and I just want to make sure that they are, you know, always lifting up women because I also believe that this world can only happen with men lifting women and women lifting women. And I think also women lifting men. We yes. all need to be all together as a unit working to lift each other up and give each other self-confidence. That's, that should be the goal for all of us. I agree. And even though, you know, the news are full of COVID epidemics or whatever have you, politics, it's a, I think number one headline should be that we have a huge issue with education, that we have a huge issues with famines still going out of the world, which I don't understand. How is that possible when we have so much money going around? Um, you know, but it's a truth. So this project in particular, high people should obviously get involved all year round. But at this specific moment in time, if you guys are listening right now, we're in March. 2022 how can people get involved so it's going to be through my instagram actually channel we're going to be doing it through there um they also can go to the uwc uh website um it's uwc mass click west and you can donate um there's a woman advancement project and that's where people can donate and usually there is, uh, we fundraise for about five to six girls to um, come to Maastricht for two years. It's a commitment that they have for two years. So anyone can get involved either via my Instagram channel or even the website. Wonderful. We're going to post all the links in the show notes. So you guys make sure that you, of course, subscribed, whether you watch us high on YouTube or listen to us on any podcast platforms and head over to the blog, christinemeansbusiness.com forward slash blog to read the show notes, to find all the links, to simply click on them. It will also have Fabienne's website, her Instagram account, her Facebook page. Everything is neatly compiled there. So, and you can have the audio files and the video files are also hosted on the blog. So uh, make sure that you head over there and that you get involved, even if it's after March, have a look at the project. You know, you, I'm sure there's opportunities to support it all year long as well. And um, yeah, Fabian, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this has been a wonderful, diverse discussion. Um, lots of practical advice as well, which I always adore, obviously. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. 
Well, thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure and I had a lot of fun. And I always like to do things laughing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So if you guys want to reach out to Fabienne, either to have a speaking or, you know, see if there's some coaching she can do with you guys, then reach out to her and I know she will be happy to obviously get in touch as well and to answer all of your questions. So we'll be back in two weeks. And with a brand new guest, I'm very excited. I have no clue who it will be because I'm not organized that way. But um, I'm always surprised, not surprised, it's not the right word, but I'm always delighted at the conversations that we're having. So thank you, all of you. Thank you, listeners. Make sure you leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. And I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Right, and here is what I usually forget at the end of every episode. So first off, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to tune in. We really, really, really appreciate it. Now, don't forget that I've written a book with everything you need to know about growing and building a business online. It's called We Mean Business, the practical guide for creative entrepreneurs, coaches and small businesses to build your brand and grow your business online. You can find it on Amazon, but also in other online bookstores and on my website. Also, please make sure that if you want to stalk me, you follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube or Twitter or Pinterest or TikTok. And if there was anything in this episode that you learned, that you found entertaining, that made you giggle, then I would be over the moon if you'd left us a five-star rating. These ratings go a long way for more people to tune in and make sure that you follow the podcast as well to share the love and to have more people find it. Thank you so much and we'll see you in two weeks time for a new episode.